0: This boy and girl are going to be well-equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society.
1: Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers in the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Wow. These pauses on the podcast have become a bit more frequent than a part of me would have loved. And... We get to celebrate because we have lots in the queue. And uh, I might, because of the amount that's on the, my menu of life, thank you, God. What a menu. What a menu I've been given. Um, I might use this intro for the next three podcasts, which are awesome guests. Awesome. I think, um, I'm not sure which one's going to come into right now, but we got Warren Kistenbroker slash Warren G., I mean, is he a wizard or an alchemist or both? We talk about Tesla coils, we talk about him launching tribe vitamins in his encapsulation lab up in the mountains where the lightning is really good. We talk about I mean, we talk about spagyric extractions. They're like the original Egyptian alchemy. Next guest could be tonight or the next episode, David Dremel we really go into uh bison liver actually and we go into saunas and we go into breathing and hydration but really the saunas I mean I've the sauna conversation is becoming bigger in my life and specifically for me steaming steaming um that's a fun conversation and then finally we got a loke and I have a feeling that's the one you're about to listen to a loke a Loke mountain within the man the myth the legend if you're watching this on ig live it has climbed every highest peak in every continent um has a very special story to share on this one about like memory (laughs) based on what we talked about last time a lot about plant medicine and how he uses that for himself as a psychotherapist And we talk a lot about dolphins i mean that was my i will forever i trust i'll remember that conversation for a long long time because of how deep we went into the depth of talking about dolphins um all these conversations definitely danced around the topic of the tribe vitamins and i have I, i i that's part of why my menu is so full um we are getting more and more stoked customers and this thing is, uh, I guess, this because this stuff really works, this is a real responsibility and I'm taking it very sincerely and being a dad, obviously, on the forefront, not only to a beautiful princess, Davina, Victoria, Eisenman, but also those two beautiful pit bulls you see every once in a while, also known as American Staffordshire Terriers. I would love if you, if any dog um, genetic experts are out here listening to these transmissions. I'd love to team up with you and interview you about understanding the difference between a wolf and a Chihuahua and a Great Dane, and then how that can be a metaphor for human beings as well. Like, imagine if someone had the genetics more of like a Great Dane and they were trying to look like a Chihuahua, or vice versa, or like a english bulldog that was trying to look like an american pit bull anywho those are fun that was a fun topic that i am remembering the future of exploring if you all have any future topics or people that you're remembering being on the breaking normal podcast definitely connect us this is uh you, you wouldn't be the first person that's changed my life based on a recommendation or um, a connection. So thank you all so much for being part of the Breaking Normal podcast and Way of Life. I'm excited for all these podcasts. And if you haven't done the bison liver for breakfast or before breakfast yet, give that a go because you'll hear that theme come up in the the reality of it. It's like so much corroborating evidence from independent people that are saying same the same thing receiving the same effects without talking to each other and some, some miraculous ones here and there i don't know if we go into those on these episodes but regardless um i can only talk about what uh bison liver does for so long there's only one way to find out and that's to do it do it on an empty stomach every morning before breakfast and i'm uh i can guarantee for most people unless you know i believe in outliers so i don't i don't really believe in like always forever but the data i'm getting personally and feedback feed forward people have more stamina more libido they seem it's like almost like a gateway drug to a more indigenous lifestyle and it's like a reminder uh, to take care of yourself like because it is a potent medicinal food um and then like long term hair, skin, nails, vision, vision, lots of vision stories, lots of those. So I'd love to hear your story if you're using those tribe vitamins, that, those indigenous superfoods that were here before pharmacies existed. And in a way, they were here in their raw form before humans were here. And we're now uh, using modern-day technology to give you the most pure and potent form for you and your tribe, baby. So get that bison liver for breakfast. And if you want to take it to the next, if that really feels well, good. Or if you want to do both at once and you're ready to jump full in, do the organ complex for brunch. That's it. I see pe- more and more people are joining on the Instagram Live. If y'all are watching, I'm basically doing a Breaking Normal podcast intro, but it has now come to a conclusion. So welcome the next Breaking Normal podcast guest. Thank you for listening and thank you for uh, being part of the conversation. And if you want to be part of the conversation or you have an idea of who you, if you were bold enough to shoot on someone, that they should be on the Breaking Normal podcast, let's make it happen. Keep breaking normally, y'all. Wow. Okay. Here I am with my podcast book. It's like my investigative journalist notebook. It has a big uh, tribe vitamins label on the front of it. I'm sitting across my friend, Alok. Welcome back to this book. It's funny enough, the page that it turned to, and I don't know if I turned it to, or did you? No. Oh, it's turned to your page. My page. Yeah, okay. the eloke page. So I just have a title, and then we. This is a part two of a podcast. This is part two. So to be continued, as usual. And my notes from the previous podcast: pre, predetermined, blue ice, perfect weather, mindfulness, something, a dance, in the moment. Chad Kelly. Uh Chad Kellogg. Kellogg, Chad Kellogg. You, uh-huh. you your memory is better than my handwriting. Mountain Within, Epic um, Experience, uh, Elevating Everest, Spiritual Path, Sacred Jesus, Climbing re- re- Recommendations, <laughs> China, Chad Harris, or Chad Heroes, or something. Colon Healing? Wow, we got into some topics, didn't <laughs> we? We got into a lot of topics that day. I even took a, uh, yeah, I, went, I turned the page, smoke, yeah. grief, love. Testicles, purium, tribe vitamins.
0: (laughs) I actually liked COVID.
1: Did you say that? Or did I say that? Uh, I
0: I might have liked I think I I appreciated COVID for the fact that um, I can work remotely now with my profession.
1: Oh well that's definitely one of the topics I want to talk about today. That that was my I pointed my finger really hard when I said that out of like an expression of enthusiasm. Is like the life of a modern day therapist, known as you. Because mm-hmm. you did, when you say your work. What is your work? Just in case oh, yeah. someone didn't catch the previous podcast.
0: Well, I have a lot of different work, but um, yeah, my work before was that of a mountain guide for about uh, twenty five years, and now I am a therapist, um, work with clients and psychotherapy and and. Uh, Yeah, that's my work. And then I also uh, work in um, studying shamanism. And uh, shamanism is essentially working with some indigenous elders from down in the Amazon. So,
1: well, yeah. and I think of the word, not now that I'm thinking of the word work, mm-hmm. I think I lifted, I listened to this book called The Great Work of Your Life or something mm-hmm. like that by Stephen Cope, maybe. Do you know which book I'm talking about? Mm-mm. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. And it's about like Dharma mm-hmm. and going all in mm-hmm. on your Dharma, which is interesting because I've been also listening to this book currently by a hunter, like a public figure hunter known as Cameron Haynes. Are you okay. familiar with him? This his is book called Endure. We talked about this yesterday. Yeah, yeah. That ready? I have the speakers going off in the background, saying "Ready to connect." Um, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> On another note of another book, it's good have to stay you, connected? Yeah, that book, um, the Island from Aldous Huxley. Have you ever listened to that one?
0: No, or read that one. Well, didn't they make a movie? I, I maybe. Yeah.
1: I don't know if I've seen that movie.
0: Yeah, with like. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the actors.
1: You mean with Leonardo DiCaprio, where they did the... No, the, no. That's That's the beach.
0: That's the beach. No, the island was kind <laughs> of like this uh, dystopian society where they were essentially harvesting, uh, making clones out of people and harvesting them for their organs. Um, And uh, essentially, the island was kind of like the... Uh, what they would tell the, the clones that they were going to this um this island it was like winning the lottery wow. but then they were really being taken into this like uh you know essentially to you know be killed so that their uh, organs could be harvested for the the people that
1: <laughs> how like ironic i yeah. don't know is it's that ironic?
0: Just, yeah yeah considering try vitamins and everything right but um, but yeah, I think that was I think I think that was based after after Adios Huxley's book. Well, that that book, so I
1: I mentioned so many books in a row there. The Cameron Haynes one, Endure. So he um, he the the reason that connected me also with that book, the Great Work of Your Life, or whatever it is. Maybe I can mm-hmm. put it in the show notes. Those two books are very similar in a way. the the great work of your life is about like Dharma in general in a way and some specific examples. And uh, Cameron Haynes' book is like he is a bow hunter Mm -hmm. uh, for elk, for bull elk. Mm -hmm. And then the book is all about that. Yeah. But it's it's so personal. Mm -hmm. So what's most personal is most universal a lot of the times. And uh, this book is going crazy sales wise and reviews wise. Mm -hmm. And it's a great book. I'm like halfway through it listening to it. But that other book, um, The Great Work of Your Life, I really remember that book because at one time I had a very weird situation with Davina and a stroller that scared the living heavens into me mm-hmm. while I was listening to that book. Mm-hmm. And now I could never, like, and I, that I, I was like crying because everything was okay, but how close of a call things were in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> and I could cried I did cry I cried while listening to like the next hour chapter mm. and this was just so imprinted in me mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I love that book mm. I, I love it so much I can't remember I haven't remembered the title exactly or maybe I have Anywho, fun start to this. Um, I trust is going to be like a divinely orchestrated communication under the creative constraint of an hour and 11 minutes. We're six in because mm-hmm. we're going to get some food after this, which we've done a lot together, yeah. recently. Kind of yeah. like almost like w- weekly or bi weekly mm-hmm. getting dinner together, yeah. Appreciate these dinners with you together, likewise. And with last night, we had dinner together sherpas where Mm -hmm. the owner i my understanding was he was a guide up everest for a significant part of his life and that for the previous podcast just if you didn't listen to it alok and he mentioned the mountaineering yeah i think it's super cool that you climbed all seven all the highest peaks in all the continents Mm -hmm. i mean that's just like what a if people believe in bucket lists, it's like Mm -hmm. what a check off and then you're uh swimming with dolphins seasonally as a part-time mm-hmm. side yeah. hustle in a way but like a, mm-hmm. a probably a deep passion we were talking about how significant dolphins are to us last night yeah dolphins in the wild dolphins mm-hmm. in the wild dolphins that's in, gonna make yeah. the notes of this one yeah no sea world it's all the
0: oh man yeah uh, you said what you got anything
1: to say about sea world i mean i'm just curious. Um, controversial one, but
0: I'm, yeah, no, I have nothing I'm, uh, really. Too afraid in, of controversy. Yeah, I'm, you know, anything in captivity really isn't that good. I feel, you know, and uh, in terms of like the profiting off of, you know, in this case, you know, the, looking at the cetaceans, the you know the, the orcas and the dolphins, and you know and and oftentimes you know some of these organizations say oh you know they're re they're re- rehabilitated they can't be introduced back into the wild and and there's could be some truth to that, but then these are these are really highly in- intelligent uh um, sentient beings in in my opinion well and their brains are much larger than ours much
1: larger. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, actually, that's a good question about, like, a dolphin, a six-foot dolphin. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do know, like, for a, a no. blue whale, obviously, no, or yeah. an orchid whale, they're ba- obviously, their brains are bigger
0: than ours. No, you Google dolphin whale, or no, dolphin brain, human brain comparison, and there's, like, um, you'll look at the two side to side. and
1: I wonder about the heart size. Do you know anything about the heart size in this? I don't, know. Oh. Hmm. I mean, I'm so fascinated. Yeah. If someone was asking me about like spirit my spirit animal or something i'm like the one that i probably have the most resonance with is a dolphin like a mm-hmm. bottlenose dolphin that like travels with its friends and families mm-hmm. and pods and like surfs waves and hunts mm-hmm. together and like smiles all day and like has some skin smooth as mm-hmm. s- smooth as leather and they can do whatever they want with their bodies in a right. way and um they have sex for pleasure. And, mm-hmm. and I've been around dolphins in the wild, surfing in San mm-hmm. Diego specifically and other places, specifically Black's, Blacks Beach. And, uh, and, um, what's the word? Witnessing and experiencing dolphins <laughs> exhibiting wild behavior. Mm-hmm. Like breaking it. Like, I'm like, I can't even believe this. Mm-hmm. Like circling and slapping tails and making noises all around us and like catching mm-hmm. waves and jumping around us and mm-hmm. like these animals are nuts it's so right. it's so humbling yeah too it's so hum- they like you know in the water when you're surfing and you see that fin and it's like an eight foot six foot five foot whatever it's like oh and it's like okay it's a dolphin mm-hmm. but it's, it's a still it's a dolphin mm-hmm. yeah and if they're hunting around you i don't know they like sometimes they jump out at the back of the waves
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, like i've seen a video once where they someone they landed on a surfer Mm-hmm. And I was like, I thought they wouldn't do that, right? <laughs> I thought they were not going to do that, because they've been landing around me when I've surfed in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And what is your mem- most memorable experience? Like, what? How do you? What do you? How do you describe dolphins? Yeah. because I am um, I'm passionate about that for sure.
0: Well, yeah. So a little bit of backstory. You know, I was um, uh, working for uh, some dear friends. They have a, a retreat center. On a, a small island in the Bahamas, and uh, so we would have uh, participants come in for five days, and then we would go out for about uh, six to eight hours a day, looking for the dolphins. We never knew where they were, and we had like a like a forty-one foot uh, lagoon catamaran, you know, a nice big boat, a lot of deck space, and and so we'd go out looking for the dolphins and we never knew where they were, but there were these um, resident dolphins. There were both, the, there was the bottlenose that you had mentioned, and then there was also the uh, Atlantic spotted dolphin, which were the ones that we, um, you know, we were looking forward to connecting with because they're the ones that would oftentimes engage with us in the water, and so, yeah, we'd find a pod and then we would uh, essentially just, you know, kind of cruise with them. And then we would just observe their behavior. Like if they were on the the bow of the boat, you know, they're just kind of cruising. We could enjoy them from the boat. And then if they started to, to kick their, you know, kick back to where they were towards the stern, the back of the boat, then, um, you know, we would get people ready with the mask and snorkel and fins and and then very slowly get people to like get into the water, you know, very softly and and then just would see what would happen. And sometimes the dolphins would just keep on swimming by and then we have to get people on the boat again and try to, you know, essentially orient ourselves for another drop, you know, with the participants. And then other times the dolphins would just like hang out and swim with us. And we would spend sometimes it could last maybe 10 minutes. It could last, you know, hours, you know, just like hanging out, diving down. I really got into free diving. And so you would dive down and the dolphins would dive with you and and really come up so close to you that you're looking like right into their eyes. And sometimes I would have like, you know, like a whole, you know, grouping of them around me. And you just start doing like pirouettes and stuff and, you know, down, you know, when you're diving and then they would start to pirouette with you. And yeah, it was really amazing. Yeah,
1: that sounds like one of the best experiences yeah. ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. It was amazing. So then I was, you know, I was working there so we would have like uh, groups come each week. And so, essentially, it was like Monday through Friday, we're out in the water, and then Saturdays, you know, we would um, get everything, that you know, the group would leave, and we'd get everything prepared for the next week, everything cleaned and organized, and then we would have like Sunday off, and that was like the only day we had off, and then start back up again on uh, on Monday with a new group. And so, sometimes I would be there for like 16 weeks group after group after group after group, 12 hour days.
1: But how, and, and how special is it? Because that was what, when we, when I hosted, and co-hosted retreats for 11 years or whatever it was, my aim was to almost recreate this epic experience that I know that exists um, for someone mm-hmm. for the first time yeah and then, so instead of me just experiencing it myself over and over and over, myself, yeah which is super special. There are some things that might need to be that way. I was so special, like let me think of one of the things we thought was so cool, and we got to see a lot of people see for the first time. Let's just do an easy one that's now very it's more globally. Knowledge, uh, uh there's a more global knowledge than it used to be when we used to do this. It was more of a secret, but we would take people to Nyaka waterfalls in Costa Rica, and then we would show them certain ways to interact with it, like how you can swim behind this. Like, if you're feeling if you have if you're a strong swimmer and you can get behind this, mm-hmm. you can like go into this cave, mm. <laughs> and it was so special, and, and it was so special for me solo, but when we did it many times by ourselves but it was so special um to see to see other people do it for the first time mm-hmm. and have their whole world rocked mm-hmm. so i'm imagining even if you were doing the same thing over and over and over for 16 weeks oh yeah was that what i'm i'm wondering how special would you empathize with what i'm talking oh, yeah. about and what was most special for you
0: oh well, yeah it's it's also you know it taps into you know, being a mountain guide for so long. And, you know, I, I climbed many mountains and, and some of the mountains like hundreds of times. And so, you know, it, it was about, you know, the interaction you had with the people. And, um, you know, in, in a way being of service, being an intermediary, you know, with uh, the natural world, like an inherently dangerous place and, um, and people, you know, so they could have that experience, and you know, it's uh, it's uh, it feels for me like uh, like a nice way to be a, a steward for for the environment in that way. Hmm. You know, because you would bring people out. You know, whether it's climbing a mountain or you're like swimming with the dolphins, and they're having these experiences with the the wildness of life. You know creation and then and then they take that experience back to their families they take that back to their work they take that back to their decision making you know their life decisions that you know like you know bringing more consciousness to their life you know instead of like yeah like am i doing something that is harmful to the earth and uh and if so you know how can i maybe i change my my approach
1: yeah i guess what's coming when i think about these like experience because i i love the idea i would love the idea of swimming on the back of a dolphin
0: yeah well we would never touch them you would never touch no no i'm no. just saying like this we, fantasy like if, yeah, if i oh, yeah.
1: whether it's through flipper whether it's through these tourism yeah experiences but because of my experience yeah. with dolphins yeah um i've never done that i've right. never invested in the experience where you can like ride dolphins in whatever the way they're making that happen because i th- the word that comes to my mind or the feeling i don't know how, the, i just feel cheap mm-hmm. it feels like cheap to me that it's like that's not the best way to do that yeah like, that's not the best way to experience right. dolphins like right. you're going to take away from the full potential of your experience yeah. with dolphins, especially if you're patient enough to go surfing with where they're yeah. at, or go looking for them for six to eight hours a day, yeah. you're literally hunting dolphins at that point. To hang out with them, you're hunting to hang out with yeah.
0: them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're you. Know, the thing is, you're. Um, it's all on their terms. That's what I love about dolphins yeah. too. That's what.
1: That's what. But that's why I got so confused when they, when the dolphin landed on the surfer. <laughs> Yeah, He's like this was. All, I I trusted y'all. All. Like, was this an accident or was this like what is this? I thought y'all yeah. were like per, close to perfect.
0: No, it's like maybe he was just like, yeah, this guy. There's something about him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't you ever get definitely that? a freak? <laughs> it was definitely a freak experience because that's the only thing I've ever heard close to that. Yeah. I know the dolphins have come close. I've seen them myself, and I've heard plenty of stories and seen mm-hmm. plenty of videos. Because they do, they are, uh, they are animals to be studied and like, to circle it back to that tribe vitamins conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I was, and I think, I don't know if we talked about that in the last podcast, but it really rocked my world when I learned that like scientists and other people have been like studying this phenomenon <laughs> and maybe it's been going on forever. But these uh, orca whales that kill great white sharks just to eat their liver. Mm-hmm. And then it circles back to that other crazy uh, movie, we if slash book we were referencing. But I'm not sure if I remember that part of the book. I wonder if they, there could be like differences mm-hmm. between yeah, as there usually are. Oh man, wow. Well, I mean, before I get um, go uh, up or down or through any more of these wild dolphin rabbit trail slash um, currents. Is there anything you want to make sure that we address be from, the, from the previous podcast or not? I just want to check in with you about that.
0: Oh. Yeah, I know. So. And no rush on that as yeah, well,
1: yeah. But because we, we still have like uh, yeah. 45 th- or 15 yeah. minutes.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if I shared in the last podcast about my connection with, um, with um, the plant medicines down in, Am- in the Amazon.
1: I oh, I believe we definitely talked about that. Yeah. I believe, but I didn't see it much in the notes somehow. I don't think we did. Oh, we didn't it at all. Yeah. Oh, then I can listen. Yeah. Let's. How how would you like to bring that up then?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that you know, essentially, uh, you know, for me, it's been like a study. And being a psychotherapist, um, you know, there's so much that's happening right now in the world of psychedelics and and how those are um you know finding their way into psychotherapy Mm. and there's a there's a new there's a new series out on netflix right now um by uh, michael Pollan, who wrote the book um how to change your mind and there's a you know essentially maybe four or five episodes now right you can go and check it out on netflix and it's all about yeah just having this different perspective about psychedelics or these plant medicines, you know, as an actual modality um, for healing. And so, um, yeah, I think in the last podcast, somehow we got, you know, talking about, you know, a lot of different things. And, and um, yeah, I, you know, I shared that, yeah, like when you know, you become a therapist and you start like, um, you know, you're going to school to be a therapist. You're doing a lot of your own therapy work on yourself. I've done like a lot of, you know, work on myself, um, through therapy and then now with the plant medicines and, and it's like, um, you know, stuff starts to surface, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know what's underneath what's in the the unconscious what's in the subconscious you know what may have happened you know when you were you know in your early stages of development and uh, say you experience a, a stress or a trauma activation when you were younger and like say that you didn't have anyone there to um to recognize that and in order to uh Bring you, you know, to, to help bring you through that experience of the stress. Because, yeah, you know, when you're younger, you know, your your brain isn't fully developed. Uh, your prefrontal cortex, your cognitive abilities aren't fully developed, and so oftentimes we're still, you know, learning to um, find our way with how to regulate ourselves when we experience uh, some sort of activation. And so um, oftentimes it is our primary caregivers uh, for some, you know, it's their parents or, you know, some other person who steps into that role as a primary caregiver that, you know, are, you know, there's an attunement, you know, to your child or to your person that you're a guardian of. And so you can recognize, you know, when there's um, something's off. But oftentimes, our primary caregivers aren't necessarily, you know, maybe they have just a lot on their plate, or they're just not around, or they, um, you know, maybe have their own um, impasses from their childhood that, you know, they've had to uh, suppress, you know, certain things of their, into their subconscious. And so, yeah, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, uh, you know, with the plant medicines, it oftentimes takes you to the origin of, um, like if you're, if you have an, you know, when you do these sorts of ceremonies, it's really good to have an intention. Okay. Like, what are you going to bring your awareness? Like, what's your, your prayer, um, that you're going to have for that work, and, um and oftentimes when you have that intention you know the medicine is gonna you know you know most you know likely is going to take you to the origin of the of the issue and give you um you know a, a vision you know either like visually or it's going to offer you counsel you know through the you know form of receiving counsel um as to you know, what happened and then and, and, you know essentially you know allowing you to maybe experience it or see it one more time so that you can then you know move on so that so that impasse that stress activation that trauma that may have happened in your early development and trauma it's very easy the definition is like too much information too fast so have, yeah, you know, if we have these, you know, brains that aren't fully developed, we experience that activation. We're we're end up, we're ending up going to our the limbic part of the brain, which is the the fight, the flight, the freeze response, and you know, all this is really tied into our our autonomic nervous system, and um, like and essentially, it becomes kind of like a gauge based on like how much um, how much information like you know how much information can this person you know handle right now so that's where the you know the dissociation can happen where it actually can like you know there becomes a break in the cognitive understanding of what you know may have happened and it, and then it brings you uh, to a place of dissociation and then you and then you come back and you're like, you know like what happened? well that was you know, pre-programmed you know as a way for you to uh, you know to weather the storm per se so yeah um, you know like so a lot of
1: that made sense to me the one part that I got Uh a little tripped up on was when you said trauma is defined as too much information too fast
0: yeah is that what you said yeah too much information how's that
1: traumatic there's so many times I have too much, like so much information, it's whoa. like so fast and I'm like, whoa, but it's like, I would definitely don't put it as traumatic, yeah. well, I put well. it more maybe like as celebratory, but maybe my traumatic experiences as well, had yeah. too much information too fast.
0: Well, just look at like a natural disaster or having like a bomb go off, like right near you or something.
1: I don't want to look at that, I'm not going to look at that. <laughs> or no, just you know, no, look no, like I'm, look at that as. as look as the exact opposite, well, safety and Harmony right. and nature and safety from those things well, going. On.
0: You you look at it from the perspective of something that that I, shocks. I, what I'm the saying nervous. is
1: something I can see how something is traumatizing is mm. too much information too fast. But I, also, there's many epic, amazing celebratory experiences I've had oh, yeah. that would fall under the category of too much information too fast. So I'm wondering, are you defining that as like a good trauma? Well, you know. Or that, or so,
0: it, so let's just break it down now, <laughs> based on your ability to uh, tolerate activation.
1: That I like that. That's a nice phrase. You said a lot of good phrases tonight. Your ability to tolerate activation—that's mm-hmm. uh, a good one. Yeah. It? Have you would, have you heard someone else say that?
0: Or? Well, yeah. Well, I'm, this is coming from in in psychology. They call it your window of tolerance.
1: I like yours. I like this bun better.
0: And so the, um, you know, your ability to tolerate activation, essentially, you know, look at it like you have like a like a like a like a container, and and your container is um, it has a, an upper threshold and it has a lower threshold. Okay, and in the in the very middle of the two thresholds, the upper and the lower, there's a middle area. And that is um, our tonality, and that's essentially when we're our tonality is in the middle. It means we're at a place of baseline, you know. And baseline is being very grounded. Baseline is being very, um, very centered. Very, you know, present. Okay. And when we get activated, okay, so we receive a, a stress activation. That tonality is going to, to spike upwards, okay, and, or it's going to spike downwards. So almost, you know, when you see, you know, uh, in what, what they call it, where, where it kind of mon- monitors your heart rate, you know, do do do, you know, I like the EKG, EKG, and so you know the the spikes and the drops, you know, are, are really natural. You know, we're we're never always in a place of like full-on, you know, baseline activation or, or non-activation. We're always experiencing some sort of activation. But when we start to experience a stress reaction, a trauma, where say it spikes so far up that it actually hits or penetrates through that upper threshold, that means we're in a, a, a hyper a hypertonal state of activation and that's also, you know, oftentimes like you know if a person's very anxious or they're having a panic attack, you know, that's essentially what's happening. Your your nervous system is in your in your brain there's certain you know there's certain encoded memories from the past that are bringing us to that place of of activation. And so, you know, when people are, you know, suffer from anxiety or depression, oftentimes you know they could be in a place where there's nothing traumatic happening you know but they're you know they're feeling it they're feeling the same signs they're having the same signs they're feeling the same symptoms and essentially they're they're kind of, they're stuck in this time and, and place when when that happened and it may have been even been like you know you're hanging out talking with someone like when I work with clients when I'm a therapist and a client is sharing something that's really, you know, like a, you know, a hard memory or something that's very challenging and, and I may have had some sort of uh, um, relationship with that sort of story in my own life, then I need to watch, you know, how that is affecting me. But it's good because it's, it's allowing me to attune to where the client is is at. So the window of tolerance is just your ability to to hold the activation. And, and the whole thing about doing your own work um, and learning tools to expand your window of tolerance is essentially allowing yourself to, uh, as an adult, is to be able to walk in life and be around, you know, Activating things, but it's not. It's not. It's not rocking you. It's not shaking you to the ground. Like when I was a mountain guide, I very rarely ever got activated in the mountains. You know, that was my ability to to attune to the mountains, and and the it was good because I was guiding clients. I had people. I had responsibilities, and um, so. Yeah, is that making sense? Is that uh... Yeah, I feel
1: like I'm on the verge of making a lot of sense of what you're saying. Like there's a really important thread surfacing. And I would probably say it's, it has a lot to do with this window of tolerance or this ability uh, to tolerate activation. Was probably like the, the, that's a great way to describe the major factor at like those 50 retreats that I was a part of. We basically, that's what we played in that zone. Yeah. Very much so. Right. And like, for instance, when we did the naked exercise, where uh-huh. everyone got naked, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, you got to see people squirm in their own skin. Right. Right. And you get to see some people's window of tolerance. Right. I'm talking like people needed to do weird things like scream, dance, mm-hmm. pee, definitely pee all of a sudden. Wow. I mean and that's just one of infinite examples. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that is not it's beyond the the retreats are just like the, I think maybe those were like the more like activating mm-hmm. dura- like duration, like the eighty hour, whatever hours it was, like it's so, so activating that mm-hmm. I really got to. I really we all got, we all got to witness like what you're alluding to here. And I think it's so important. and I do think that athletes, like extreme athletes mm-hmm. have a very mm-hmm. because like if they're whether they're experiencing it up in the mountains or out hunting bull elk mm-hmm. or surfing or whatever the uh, passion mm-hmm. is in nature, Mm -hmm. that they that carries over to like the like the the retreats for instance if i was going to be uh, stereotypical those really activating experiences emotionally for some people Mm -hmm. were very tolerated by uh they were much easily tolerated by extreme athletes Mm -hmm. for sure no i mean yeah for sure
0: yeah well it's interesting i've i've hung out with a lot of extreme athletes in the climbing world and and, uh, you know, I've, I've lived in, in mountain towns in Colorado where that's very much a part of the culture. You know, people like who, you know, they, you know, they really thrive off the adrenaline. You know, they very thrive off that, you know, that being on that edge, that razor's edge where you have to bring your awareness into that present moment so acutely because if you didn't or you lose your focus, you know you can you know hurt yourself or worse and then it's interesting that um, in some of these mountain towns and it'd be interesting for someone to do a study about this but there's a high rate of suicide and it's usually around you know it's usually with uh, with men and uh, or younger men and it's um because what happens is like um if we may have like experienced some sort of trauma you know or we had some sort of like you know challenging upbringing you know we all have had certain situations like none of our parents are perfect and but we for whatever reason um these mountain towns there's such a culture around uh, you know around the um uh, around the the activities you know whether it's skiing or climbing or paragliding or base jumping or and I, I do like
1: to note because I, I spent a lot of that uh decade there traveling doing retreats around like kind of alpha surf towns uh-huh. yeah like the best right. waves the best waves yeah. and so i i it, it's oddly enough the cultures are quite similar yeah
0: oh yeah yeah so you know there's also a lot of substance you know use in a lot of these cultures and in um, substance use or abuse is oftentimes a, uh, can be a form of coping mechanism. And our coping mechanisms are essentially allow, you know, it's a way of like coping or dealing with, with the pain or with the anxiety or with the depression. And there's oftentimes, uh, um, you know, there, there, it becomes a custom, you know, so you spend a whole day out, use a mountain town skiing. You're out in the mountain. You're skiing all day, and then you you know hit the après ski, and you have some drinks, and then you go to the bar, and then you end up at some after hours thing, and then there's like you know other substances floating around, and it's really it's really a part of that that it can be really woven into that culture. Now, I'm not saying that's how it is for everyone, but just with people who are experiencing. Um, some sort of like reliance on on uh, peak experiences and so looking at peak experiences it is around um, around like whether it's like a peak experience could be having you know you know you're skiing down some big mountain and there's like a big like 40 50 foot drop you know and you're able to, to hit that and land and, and safely, and you have this like peak experience. Climbing a mountain, peak experience, getting it, um, looking at like people who free solo like Alex Honnold, um, free soloing, you know, El Cap um, on the free rider route, you know, that's a peak, can be like a peak experience substances can awful, also offer you some sort of peak experience where it's taking you out <clears throat> of the com- of the discomfort and the thing is it's like you know is that sustainable and so i've just noticed in in some of the mountain towns that you know you just hear stories about some like very gifted um adventure you know focused person you know, who seem to have it all and then they end up um you know taking their life and so I'm just yeah I'm just curious like if you know if there's been a study around that you know around well the, the, you know there's an interesting thing here I'm
1: thinking about these people this
0: archetype of people the,
1: that rely on peak experiences right and um Andy irons there's a had you ever see the Documentary Kissed by God, or is that what it is? Kissed by God. Is it a surf movie? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's more than a surf movie, but it's about one of the best surfers
0: that, to ever live. Andy Irons? Mm-hmm. He has like a brother too, doesn't he? Yeah, Bruce Irons Bruce, yeah. as well. Yep. Well, that
1: guy, uh, I, since there's already a story about it, my understanding of that movie, how I experienced it, was like showing Andy Irons relying on peak experiences yeah. through surfing. And substances, mm-hmm. for okay. sure. Yeah, And the one that caught them, you know, just like a wave catches someone, like that wave right there. you got to be very careful mm-hmm. that wave. The substance that seemed to, that, if I remember, it was about the, um, it was the, um, what do you call them? The, the ones that oxycodone, percocet, hydrocodone, um, the opiates, mm-hmm. the opiates. I mean, I, I, what, you're t- what you're talking about is so, it's a, such a cool topic. There's so many amazing people that, re- oh, oh, yeah. And because you said the suicidal thing, like, these people that rely on uh, peak experiences, like that might think, like, well, there are surfing waves that could kill them. Mm-hmm. They could easily kill them if mm-hmm. they messed up or climbing mountains, that right. they would die. Right. Like suicide might sound like maybe if they got in a really crazy spin out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like well, that was probably nothing compared to what they considered mm-hmm. on the daily. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. So, I think that's to be accounted for in a way. Like, they thought, maybe they thought, maybe in a way, some of the things they were doing, they were, like, okay with dying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Isn't that, like, Buckminster Fuller that, like, went to the edge of the bay, the San Francisco Bridge and then, he like, bef- he was about to jump. I don't know if it's him or someone else, but about to jump, looks down. He's, like, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait why, why, um, why, let's just kill who I think I am. Mm-hmm. Let's do that first.
0: Right, right. Let's do that first. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that goes into the having a, an ego death and, um, and this whole concept of who am I? And, and so oftentimes our ego is is a combination of our, it it comes from our early development when our needs were not being met or were not met. And we had to have like, uh, we had to find a way of having our needs met. And so the ego has the capacity in order to uh, adapt to situations and give you a construct in order to uh, survive, exist, and so if you can think of your ego as like a manager, and it's managing, you know, it's managing maybe the the hard, challenging upbringing or the, the experienced trauma that wasn't resolved, and so your your ego creates this this construct, and that happens, you know, in your early development in your family and and it also happens culturally in the society, you know how we are you know essentially having to navigate society's rules, you know what the morals are, what the ethics are, if there's um you mean how traumatizing that can be, or like you know like this. navigating those rules for yeah. a wild child well, like yeah, or just you the know. society could be can be traumatizing and um and so that's the crazy part about being a parent right well that's something i don't know about
1: <laughs>
0: but then i keep going no no just, just like hey surf yeah hey nice wave yeah so yeah it's it's essentially the ego death is 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 something that is very very um in a way um it's a bit of a uh, rolling of the dice it's, it's it can be taboo. It can be because essentially you're 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 essentially breaking down the construct that has gotten you to where you are. Yet the reason why the ego death can be very liberating is because it's like uh, it's taking you to to that next level. It, there's a paradigm shift that that can happen where it's taking you to the next level of your transformation, to your ability to uh, expand your consciousness. And oftentimes to expand into the collective consciousness of existence, of God, of the universe, whatever name you want to give it, you need to go back and deal and, and understand in conceptualize and to realize those times when like the origins of where you know the ego you know got its you know began to uh you know attach itself or began to to grow and oftentimes the ego or the voice of the ego or egos are um oftentimes our primary caregivers or people who had some sort of influence on us When we were younger, that voice is that voice that that keeps us in check. That voice is the voice that can create judgment, shame, that in a way is keeping you in check. It can also keep you small. And so when we're expanding into this new paradigm shift, what we're doing is we are aligning with our essence or our true nature, our true self. And the true self is, is fully embodied when we are in the present moment. Like that is when we are fully in, in connection with God. That's when we're fully in connection with abundance, with heaven on earth, that everything is available in the present moment. And so the thing that's keeping us from that uh, oftentimes is, are those managers or the ego, the aspects of the ego that in a way are actually relating to us like we are children. Like when we were younger or like when we a younger part or a younger self. So the whole thing is to be able to create a dialogue between the true self and the younger part so that the younger part can actually see, be witnessed by the true self, which is perfect before and always will be. And so it can actually be seen, and it actually can be able to move past the the impasse or the 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 trauma, and then the manager. It's like you know, like we can't. We have to respect the manager because the manager has gotten us up into this part, you know, up into this you know part of our our existence. And so, it's then being able to make um, dialogue with the manager. And to be able to ask the you know the manager like well why are you doing this, why are you you know treating this younger part the way it is and and then it starts to you know pretty much lay it all out, and the thing is you know we can begin to make um, like a a negotiation with the um, with the managers by offering a request of like um, you know okay is there something that you can do now that will actually support the the development of this younger part and also support your ability to stay in a creative space, um, which is in alignment with the true self. And so, because oftentimes the manager and why we have so much resistance around ego or ego death is because the ego is going to lose its job and it's like fighting for survival. And um, and so we can actually then be able to negotiate and actually ask the ego, you know, like, is there something else you can do that's actually like more, you know, in alignment with the, the new software that we're, that we're going to uh, start working with? Because oftentimes, where the tactics of the ego become outdated is when essentially we get to a point in our life where we start to intermingle, with society and so that could be in relationships that could be in you know having a family that could be in uh, working in some sort of profession where we start to intermingle of other people's managers and then there become there can be you know some friction or there can be some sort of like uh competition and so it's then being able to be like okay this is not working for me anymore. And I needed, you know, there's something needs that needs to change. And so having like a peak experience, say, with like ayahuasca, which can, you know, oftentimes offer the person an opportunity to experience death without fully dying in the physical, even though it feels like you have, it at least then gives you this new perspective that there is something on the other side of what we perceive as like uh like what we perceive as reality what we perceive as real and then the thing on the other side is our connection to spirit in my my opinion wow wow thank you
1: thank you for sharing all that wow we got at least not at least 19 more minutes if we want it. I love these creative constraints. I feel like they foster creativity quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing because, gosh, yeah, so, the peak experience things. So many people, like, um, I almost feel like there's a, a bit of that, the touch of that taste of God from overcoming something mm-hmm. bad, overcoming something bad, overcoming something that you chose to overcome. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Like a like a cold or getting sick, like or overcoming like a stomach bug. Yeah, gosh, yeah, like COVID that, that can be that can be
0: like a, that can be euphoric. Yeah, I've had COVID <laughs> like three times, I think, and uh, each time was it was it was it was hard, and and then I I felt like um, when I got over it, I was just like, thank God, like wow, like I I got through that.
1: So then the question becomes like I am thinking I'm just a little. The rooting, the rooting of it's like, because the high of that, the high of the peak experience of overcoming things, Mm -hmm. how many people are inviting? Is there a, do you believe there's a thing where people uh, at some unconscious or subconscious level invite challenges to overcome? Yeah. Without knowing it? For
0: sure. What do you call that? It's, uh, it's called (laughs) growth. It's like, you know, you're not going to have any growth without any challenge. But meaning,
1: what if someone becomes like, or do you think some people are more magnetic to creating challenges for themselves without knowing that they um, are the ones creating them? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's, uh, it can be, that's oftentimes when we uh, are attuning to our, our victim. You know, if we are like uh, feeling like we're in this, this victimized role, and we're identifying with that. And then it's like, you know, there's there's this thing called the drama triangle where you have, you know about that?
1: Uh, maybe. I mean, it's like interesting. You're putting words to a lot of things that I feel like I've yeah. taken notes about. Sure. I'm like, oh, yeah. these are the psychological, these are the terms. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there's like the drama triangle where you have, you know, three points of a triangle. One point is the victim. One point is the perpetrator. And then the third point is the rescuer. And so we essentially, if we're in this victim role, we're always looking for someone to come and rescue us. or we're always pointing blame at the at the perpetrator. Or we then might find ourselves perpetrating other people um, in you know in retaliation for you know having been a victim. Or we find ourselves in like codependent relationships or dependent relationships. You know where we're always like feeling like we have to save or rescue this person, even though they're like creating. You know, you know, meaning like some people will play the archetype
1: of needing to be rescued, right? Unconsciously, sure, like, looking for a rescue, <laughs> right?
0: And it just and it, it goes round and round. Well, there's another triangle, which is called the creator triangle. And what was that
1: first one called? The
0: drama triangle. That's the drama. <laughs> drama. What's this next one? The- um, I call it the Creator Triangle. Creator, and it's like, um, and so it's all about creation, right? And and as I mentioned, creation, you know, it, it thrives in being in the present moment. It thrives in our connection with, with spirit, with our connection to Source, however that is defined for a person. And so we're in, when we're in that direct channel where source creative energy can actually connect and move through us. There's, there's no identity to it because this is actually, there's more of like a, a transfer that's happening, you know, from say the spiritual realm to you as the creative source. And so however you, you know, create things, it's, you know, there's some, you know, there, there's everything, you know, that's, it's Essentially, so you have the creator, and then you have instead of the rescuer, you have the challenger. So someone that challenges you, you know, you can do, you know, that actually is going to like, essentially challenge your your cognitive story, of like, you know, everyone's out to get me. Like, I got to do this in order to feel good. You know, that's you know, if someone challenges you in a very loving way. It's like, you know, that's creating accountability. That's the role that I would play a lot. Yeah, the challenger. It's definitely that role.
1: Yeah. When I just like stepped into it. I'm like, oh, is it my time to facilitate? Right. I'm like, okay, okay, let me let me hear what you got to say. Yeah. Real quick, say that one more time.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Yeah, so you're challenging people who are in this container, this in case of this being your retreat, and then you have people who are tapping into what they would like to manifest and create in their life. Okay, so you have the creator, you have the challenger, and instead of the perpetrator, um, actually, I take that back. So instead of the so the the challenger, the challenger is challenging this. So instead of the perpetrator, you have the challenger. Mm-hmm. Instead of the rescuer, you have the coach. Oh, coach. Okay. okay. You have the coach. And um, and so that like turns the whole focus in a different direction and that, you know, when we begin to attune, you know, or align with the frequency of consciousness and elevating our consciousness, where we're actually now starting to attract other people that have a similar elevation in consciousness, then that creates this frequency where, where we're in a way we're holding everyone accountable. And one of the things I find, like when I go down to like South America and I do my retreats, or do my my I don't run retreats, but I I go and do my own work, you know, at retreats being run by these, these shamans, you know, that are in these ancestral, you know, indigenous lineage holders. Essentially, when I come back to This, you know, to society, it's like I need to integrate that whole experience that I just had down there, and now I'm essentially having to find myself caught in between, in like the the old um, constructs of say like the ego and how to survive and navigate this world, versus you know being able to. Step into my creative essence, or be in alignment with my true self. And it's and it's difficult if you're alone doing this. You know, so that's where if you have community that you can have. You know, and this is not You know, this can be anything. There's so many different paths.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. It's right?
0: difficult when alone. It
1: is difficult, regardless. But right, it's, isn't it healthier? Don't you think it's healthier when
0: shared in- shared or no yeah yeah it's healthier to you know share to be in community because it's not because some people think difficult's the best
1: so they're like oh well if it's difficult that's probably the best
0: well it's it is you know there is the difficulty (laughs) you know offers it can it can offer meaning of
1: being alone with it
0: right well you know to be alone and to be able to navigate through that that's that's um when we start working towards mastery, you know so the, the paradox, a little bit of paradox, right, of it. and it's different from like say, like just being like out you know, fully alone in a cabin or in a cave, somewhere you know, isolated. It's like how do you manage, you know, like tolerate your your loneliness in like the marketplace of society? Where, you know, in a way, you know, just how everything is being laid out right now. Yeah,
1: there's a few things
0: that are like ultimate in the um
1: pharmacy of Earth's or human human experience pharmacy, there seems to be a few things always on the shelf. <laughs> like she's always there mm-hmm. and they're not they they're they're just, they just, they just sometimes you know I may not want to look at them too much on purpose right meaning like uh being alone in silence right uh meaning not eating mm-hmm. for like like you just right. choose a time right yeah, <laughs> I, I don't you know i mean it's maybe it's good to find a good right. like prescription to what calls you but dedicate to not eating anything for three days. Yeah, or not talking to anyone for two days. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, that's probably better to do, you know, out in nature somewhere. <laughs> that's where. That's why a lot of people go and do like vision quests, you know, yeah. or they do they go and do. Uh, but those are those are big prescriptions. I mean, those are very effective. Yeah, yeah. very effective, right? Right. right. So.
1: And you're really feeling the effectiveness of the plant medicine. So, so what I'm hearing for sure. And now you. Yeah. You've been passionate about this. And I've seen you travel in the world continuously. Coming back with all kinds of crazy stories. I've, I've always been compelled to because where I think you crossed the, like, uh, this breaking normal blurry spot with 10 minutes left here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like with a similar conversation I was having with Paul Reese about the psychedelic Christian. his book that he released. Um, because I think that's a whole nother conversation as well. Is like, how does plant medicines fit into the constructs of certain people's current religious and or spiritual views? I mean, that's just like I guess an ongoing conversation forever. Mm-hmm. And I do see Michael Pollan uh, gapping that bridge with. I am not a, like I haven't gotten through like the psilocybin one. I started watching it, and uh, it was just like too. I felt like for me, I, oh gosh, it almost, it's like a strange thing. It's almost like uh, there are certain things that I don't love talking about. It's Mm -hmm. more like you got to do it to, uh, Mm -hmm. and, um, Surfing was one of them, like in the sense of like getting into the details of it. I love talking mm-hmm. briefly about it, but I'm like, I can't really, I'm not gonna go into the whole story of it because it's more mm-hmm. such a personal experience. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's worth it. Oh, yeah. it's worth it. <laughs> and uh and then I think that, that that this um these plant medicine as what people are calling them experiences mm-hmm. are so sacred that I almost feel like, gosh, he kind of like he fit it into a mold so more people could learn about it. But I don't think about like psilocybin like this exactly. I I mean it's I felt like it was like it kind of fit into the Netflix mold of how mm-hmm. we're gonna get this message across yeah, yeah. and I honor that yeah. because whatever.
0: Well it's also the way they're they're fitting it into the, the Western model. Yeah. You know, it's um Yeah, you know, I just brought that up because it's there's a lot of things that are happening right now that in a way are good you know because it's getting the word out and it's and it's um like decriminalizing it's you know it's taking this it's it's breaking it's breaking like whatever (laughs) breaking the the quote-unquote normal and um but yeah like for me like i i choose to go and down in the jungle you know with people who are you know that's 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 their essentially they're tapped in. And you said you, you were like
1: what is what is on brand. I'm not trying to undermine what he's doing at yeah. all. I'm just very particularly picky yeah. about what I watch. Yeah. Actually.
0: Yeah.
1: Once again, a whole nother conversation. I Michael Pollan's awesome. He's done he's brought so much amazing mm-hmm. knowledge to the forefront here. Yeah. But and I think he the little I saw about I think the first episode about LSD he was really expressing the idea yeah. about set and setting. It sounds like you take the set and setting to the whole mm-hmm. the whole situation. Well, it's the also set
0: the person that you're receiving. Meaning the yeah. setting as well. Yeah. yeah, you're receiving the medicine from the you know because it's like you know you it's good to align with people of good thought, good morals, good ethics because that's essentially. That's the um, that's good modeling for really being able to hold space for people who are going through their process, and um, and it's the same thing with with psychotherapy. It's like psychotherapy. It's it's really about holding space for people to come to their own realization, you know, without the therapist telling them like you know yeah, you should do this because the shoulds are just you know essentially can be just. Like, where are those shits coming from? You know, it could be coming from the psychotherapist's ego and, you know, managing constructs of, like, okay, like, how do we solve this problem? And that's where I find, like, psychotherapy, you know, it's a uh, amazing. I feel it's an amazing tool, but I feel it uh, can be better utilized in conjunction with um, connecting with the people who are tapped into some sort of, Methodology or science, and because in a way the plant medicines are like a science within these indigenous cultures, it's it's their it's been their essentially learning, you know, and and essentially it's really held in a very like ethical, you know, moral way, and it's um, essentially you know you just come with your intentions and you leave with your with your, your your path forward in terms of like okay how do I integrate everything that I experienced and then it's up to you to do that work to do that other 50% of the work and it's the same in psychotherapy. It's like if my clients are just coming to see me for you know an hour each week and then they're not doing the work you know I' you know it, that can go on for however long. But if they're not doing the work, then it's you know it's all about then like as a therapist being able to uh, to cognitively cognitively challenge or you know get the person to redefine or refocus the story that they're that they're telling themselves. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Man, I love this conversation. I love too that uh if we're coming somewhat to a conclusion. Is there anything else you want to make sure that we include? You are you're like you're like ready for the long haul. Yeah. Like maybe for the number three, we're gonna have to do like a five hour podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel complete. And it's it's more along the lines of like uh just um you know, as you're doing your healing journey, you know, you're gonna have things that surface and then you can start to begin to, you know, create some sort of belief or some sort of like understanding that, you know, this is, you know, this is what may have happened or this is may, you know. And the thing is, as we continue to do the work, we're being given these opportunities to to reevaluate and to, and actually, receive the counsel, and so yeah, so yeah, I, I from the last uh, podcast, you know, so I, I did explain that you know I, I did grow up in an environment where there was a lot of, uh, um, like sexual abuse happening to uh, children around me when I was growing up, and this was within the the Roman Catholic Church that I was I was raised in. I was raised in a very, you know, pretty strict, devout Roman Catholic uh, upbringing, and uh, there was, um, you know, there, the priest was abusing children. He was one of like the twelve or thirteen priests that uh, essentially um, were like def- deflocked or defrocked or whatever they call it when you, the priest loses its color, hmm. or you know, and um, and so and that all came out of after the uh, the spotlight. Investigation in, in Boston, and you know, I made a movie about that. And so, mm-hmm. the thing, and then I had a, um, um, a a teacher in my my fourth grade teacher, probably no fifth grade teacher, in elementary school who was, you know, this guy was definitely abusing children in our in our classroom. And then uh, it came to my attention from two from one of my friends that him and another one of my friends growing up were actually lured back to this guy's house and they were brutally raped by him. And um, and this guy, it's like, you know, so the thing is like when abuse happens, you know, and this is when I was talking about the trauma, too much information, too fast. So if a person may experience you know, like being like raped, you know, at a young age or something where they don't fully understand what's going on. And, um, that's where the, you know, the nervous system and the brain can cause a a dissociated state to where you can actually like, you know, weather their ordeal and then, but the thing is the trauma is encoded within the body. And so, um, you know, you know, so essentially it's like, I never would have, I never thought that I, I would have, you know, I definitely was you know affected by the abuse happening around me because that can be a form of abuse if the you know if like your students and fellow you know uh churchgoers, you know are being abused around you and then there's like this space of like abuse that's you know that's really palpable and the thing is like uh, from. This- Go ahead. Good question. Did you know your friends were being abused by this guy when you were that young? No, no. Like, okay, but okay. I did, you know, like this guy would like, you know, he would he would like grab children in class and touch them and he would like, um, man, he would wear like these baggy pants, like those docker pants and he would have his hands in his pocket and he'd be like uh, essentially, you know, masturbating in front of us, like in class. You know? Right? Like. <laughs> i mean man this
1: story is going in a totally different direction because last time i talked to you you, what you were saying you didn't what like there was like a memory situation going on yeah so and now you're telling me whole new things and i gotta pee so bad i'm like i'm about to put this on pause and give us another 10 minutes we're at one hour and 11 minutes right now yeah i'll go pee real quick go pee because you and then let's gather what we're actually getting to right right. now (laughs) because this is you're thinking of the plot (laughs) all right so i'm back and what I'm going to do is go back to that. Well, I, the, I, you told me the different triangles. We have the drama triangle, and then we have the um, creator triangle. Mm-hmm. What do you call the other one? Because I wasn't even sure if we were on the same ones. I see challenger coach. I'm going to play the challenger mm-hmm. and the coach. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one? Is that the creator? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you call the, what do you call the triangle? Creator triangle. Mm -hmm. Because you called the other one the drama triangle but you didn't use the word drama. You used victim, rescuer, Mm -hmm. perpetrator. Okay, cool. Someone played a little bit of that challenger and coach and creator within just another like five to ten minutes just out of sheer possibilities of going somewhere to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and I love that. Like, I would be like, man, next time I need a plan for like a three out. Like, we can start breaking normal, do longer. Yeah. If, if anyone's listening and y'all want that, let me know. You that affirmation could be what takes it to that level. Yeah. Someday soon. So, what are you getting? where is yeah, okay. the golden thread of so. this wild? Because this is a. I mean, this is a whole big topic too.
0: And yeah, part of me wishes yeah. we
1: could talk for 10 hours, but I just like to get to like the main. Right. That's like a courtroom in here, the conscious well, courtroom.
0: You know, it's like I was diagnosed with ADHD um, when I was younger, and that's a whole other story. I've had to, I've had, um, you know, I've, I've learned to, uh, and continuing to learn how to master the ADHD in a really amazing way. As like a what we perceive as like a superpower.
1: Yeah, attention dialed into higher dimension. Yes. Ambitious animal, defying.
0: I've never heard that. That's that's good.
1: I've heard it from someone else, but what was that? Ambitious, defiant, happy animal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have like I have I love playing in that realm. <laughs> yeah. I I think that's actually kind of cool with you because I'm like. Yeah, I'm gonna tell this guy. I'm gonna tell a We're gonna do like an hour, eleven minutes, and like an hour and ten minutes. He's gonna start a really long story, and yeah, that's yeah. what I love about you, amongst many other things. So. Yeah, no problem.
0: Well, so anyway, so when I when I was so fast forward, so I'm you know I'm I'm going. Yeah, I've done a lot of work on myself. I've I've done some amazing things in my life. I go back to school to study. You know, being a therapist. And we're going into all this stuff, right? And I'm seeing my own therapist, and I'm just trying to, like, you know, you start to kind of do your own detective work on yourself, um, as to like the what ifs, and 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 like, you know, and then there's certainly like, life is giving me these other um, opportunities, you know, with like this pert, this friend of mine reaching out to me. I talked to him for like probably 26 years, and. And he tells me this whole thing. And I was like, whoa. And then you start to kind of like put the pieces together. Well, those pieces can be a story. And that story can be, you know, in a way, creating some sort of like victim, you know, like feeling like you've been a victim. And so it's like, um, you know, there's always like the what ifs. And so this is where um, my experience with the plant medicines and the study and uh, primarily with ayahuasca and essentially um yeah i can go and i can go into a lot of different directions here yet what the real came to the root of it was was that um that kind of questioning of the what ifs like you know was i abused did some sort of trauma happen to me and what the what came through um Eventually, with the work I've been doing, is that you know that I wasn't that I was that actually was, uh, I, I had a lot of protection around me. You know?
1: and, and to clarify
0: to that, and because I've heard this a little bit, I've heard this mm-hmm. before, but
1: just for the people that are hearing this for the first time, if you mm-hmm. didn't listen to the first podcast, that's like the one time I think that the two podcasts overlap. Yeah, that's why I definitely want to honor how uniquely different the conversations yeah. were. Like, holy mackerel, the last one mm-hmm. was so much more about like the details of the outer mountain. Yeah, and this one is like so many more details about the inner mountain and metaphors around that. And I so appreciate your time around that. And you're saying, with just so what I'm understanding is like your memory, because I brought I I remember in that past podcast I brought up that book like the art, subtle art of not giving a f Mm -hmm. And it was like, uh, there was a chapter I told you that was like so intriguing to Mm -hmm. me about like how memory, how tricky memory can be, especially into like certain cultural trends. Like if your friends had gotten touched inappropriately by this guy Mm -hmm. and then you're freaking studying all this psychology. Yeah. It's like my dad, like my dad, when he was studying pharmacy, allegedly, he said he was like, he thought he had every
0: disease that he studied. Right, right. Well, you no, know, like there was the touch that was happening, like for me, it was happening inappropriately in the classroom. But then, with these two, you know, people, um, you know, they were raped, and um, and they were like lured back to this guy's house. And so here's the thing, okay? I remember when I was at that age. Um, you know what a butterfly knife is? Uh, I, oh, I believe I do. You know, it's like those, like, you know, those knives that you kind of, yep. Yeah. And um, I remember I bought a butterfly knife off of uh, one of my friend's older brother, um, from his, my friend's older brother who um, went down to uh, New York City and he would come back with like butterfly knives and nunchucks and firecrackers and throwing stars. And, and then he would sell us, sell it to the kids, you know, to like his younger brother, you know, and his friends. And I remember I bought this butterfly knife and I'm like fifth grade, right? And I remember I had I brought it to school. This is back in the day, like you know, this is like in the what, 80s, and um, you know, kids would like bring knives to school and stuff. And That I, is, I, I don't know.
1: Funny to like, there's been a change in cultural it's context, been a change, so that's yeah. good to note.
0: Right. The time. Right. Like if I would have done that now, you know, you know, I probably would have been locked up. But I, I brought it, I remember I was like showing it off, you know, like, you know, as, as, boys do and, um, you know, to some of the other, you know, friends, you know, on the playground. And then one of the kids, um, ended up telling on me and I, and then, and to the teacher that was this teacher in question. And so I remember I was in the elementary school, I was in the bathroom and I was by myself and I was like at the urinal. And then in comes walking in this teacher in question. And he confronts me while I'm, like, you know, taking a pee. No, that's inappropriate. And uh, he confronts me. And he's just like, um, he's like, I know you have a knife. And you need to give it to me right now. And I was just like, no. Like, immediately, I was like, all of a sudden, like, you know, like, I was in this very vulnerable place. It's this tall man, like, you know, essentially, like, overlooking you you know i'm doing something that's you know very you know it's it's you know i'm peeing you know and i'm being confronted is this is the
1: same guy that had all these other, oh yeah okay so yeah so okay.
0: you know i was in his classroom and then i remember he like forcefully took his hand and stuck it into my pocket and pulled out the knife and then he like held the knife over me He didn't like open it, he like held and he's like, he's like, I'm gonna tell your parents you're in big trouble. Okay. And so a day or two go by and he never reached out to my parents. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was like waiting for like the you know, I was waiting for the other boot to drop. He's got leverage now. Right? And um and then he approached me (laughs) in class or you know, in school, and he's like, Well, if you want your knife back, you need to come back to my my house in order to get it. And his house was like walking distance from the elementary school, you know. And and the thing is, like, I never went. But for some reason, I was, I was always wondering, like, you know, did I, you know, you know, did I go back? Or did I go there, and something inappropriate, you know, like horrible happened to me. And the medicine, you know, showed me that that wasn't the case, and then it brought it back up a memory that that um, teacher, he ended up giving my knife to his son who was older than me. And I remember his son was like, he showed me that he had my knife. And I was like, you know, this, bad. <laughs> you know, like I was pissed, you know, as a kid. Sounds like some small town stuff for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a fairly small, small area, upstate New York. Not to undermine small town stuff. No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying. Excuse so anyway, so that's just in terms of bringing it into a place of completion. Um, you know, rounding the circle, rounding the journey, and it's like, you know, it's it, it. The medicine just had a tremendous sort of like, um, holding me through this, as I was able to really be able to look and see, you know, what is what is a, a, you know, what what <laughs> what is real, like what is what is truth, and um, <clears throat> and a lot of that what the medicine is showing showing you is just a mirror, it's a mirror and it's allowing you to be able to go in, back into your subconscious and be able to see things more clearly and gather information and then be able to then walk forward with life with, with like a, um, with a realization. And once we realize things or we become more self-actualized, you know, then we've been able to integrate the work. So, Yeah.
1: awesome man thanks for you being you if someone's inspired to reach out what's the best way to do that these days
0: yeah um you can check out my website it's um www.mountainwithin.com great website man great great yeah mountain I'm within as familiar with the website but mm-hmm. I, you can follow me on instagram with the U. mountain within on instagram and um so i do therapy i'm a therapist but i mainly only work with therapy clients in colorado and then i'm also um i do coaching and i do integration work and that you know that's worldwide so anyone can reach out to me and and uh you know we can work out i have my rates but i also offer sliding scale and you know i'm essentially uh willing to uh to help out anyone you know and not allow the finances be the barrier whoa yeah whoa yeah i mainly work with medicaid clients with my therapy right now it's uh you know you know it it feels like I'm, i'm walking you know in the footsteps of uh Jesus (laughs) (laughs) of Jesus <laughs> <laughs> like what would Jesus like what would Jesus do you know and uh you know and he was always like like you know he, would Jesus you, do ayahuasca <laughs> that's a good like, yeah. question no, that's like, oh we can it. talk about that next episode we can talk about that yeah well uh-huh. Jesus do ayahuasca did Jesus did Jesus do ayahuasca mm-hmm but uh, you said we'll
1: save that. I have a lot of because I don't, you know I like to save things too. I'm a big believer in the uh, the capacity mm-hmm. for activation, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Big believer. Yeah. Big believer in the capacity
0: for mystery. Hmm. Yeah. It is a big mystery. Capacity. Yeah. Yeah, and just to bring it back, you know, like I. I'm, I'm, I'm more in alignment with um, the teachings of Jesus now more than ever in my life. Just and and all that came through my experience with uh, with the plant medicine.
1: You know, interestingly enough, I was, I think, when I peed, I had this mm-hmm. thought. I was like, "Who, who is not in the like?" And I'm, I'm like, "Is there anything I am not aligned with with what Jesus said?" And, like, I was, like, peeing. And I was thinking about, like, I might want to look up, like, there's probably a way. of There's so many books, I think, with just right. what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, like, study those words and be like, do I, do I disagree? Or is he, like, is it just, is is all the communication so, like, paradoxically aligned? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, paradoxically, times, obviously, sometimes metaphorically. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm
0: like, man.
1: Yeah. Son of man. Why is yeah. it called Son of Man? In some
0: books of the Bible, Son of Man. Well, so I always thought there as the Son of God.
1: Uh, I've i seen Son of God as well. Uh, All right, let's leave you ha- leave them hanging that way as uh-huh. well. And, and we probably wouldn't get food, if, especially if we're doing it locally. Yeah. <laughs> At a restaurant, thanks, Luke. Man, yeah, bro, thank on. you so much. Come on, adventures on. Adventures on. I know he's turning a new chapter in his life, moving new places, doing new things, but also continuing on his journey. So, come on, mm-hmm. reach out to him if you feel aligned. I like playing connector, yeah, yeah. amongst the yeah. other things. Uh, the other things you called me, yeah, but you didn't. I just yeah. called myself through my interpretation of what you were saying, yeah. challenger, yeah. challenger,
0: yeah. And uh, yeah, just to clarify, you know, there's so many paths to to creator to source in terms of like you know and the thing is it's it's really you know you don't need to go and down to the jungle and and do the things that i'm doing if that doesn't feel like it's uh um you know feel you know like it's within your your capacity but um yeah for me it's uh it feels very much in alignment with my mountain guiding the peak experiences and uh and now being more of service within that that world of the you know studying the in in the medicine tradition and and being of service and it's yeah. a big
1: deal I, I definitely think it's so much more captivating like i'm not inter- you know other than my dad mm-hmm. you know, which my dad's amazing i love him mm-hmm. but i'm not like seeking many pharmacists to interview
0: right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right
1: but that being said hey i'd love to interview a cool pharmacist nothing yeah farm nothing gets the pharmacist i'm just actually realizing that a lot of the people i interview
0: are more into the medicine of what they call plants well the original <laughs> the original botanists, and you know um you know we're you know the people of the amazon and that's where all the different uh drugs and prescriptions oh, oh. oh yeah okay all, the, all, the, okay. all that stuff no. essentially came no doubt that. from various you know plants and and uh the thing is we always you know the thing that that i've learned is that you know plants have a spirit you know with them and uh, and so when we work with a plant we create like an, an ally with do you believe
1: all plants do? Yeah, I believe like, I believe all like plants
0: domesticated like lettuce. All animals. Yeah. Yeah. There's like there's a spirit, there's an essence to it. An in essence. Essence, yeah. Now
1: the difference like, is there a difference between a spirit um, and a essence in your terminology of ooh, here we go. Um, We're past an hour and a half now, we gotta go leave some food. I love you.
0: But it doesn't also there's you know, <laughs> there is spirit, I feel. Okay. Within yeah. certain like well, that's why there's called master plants. So like you know, compared to like lettuce and like ayahuasca. You know, there there is a difference. I feel. Oh yeah, I was curious what you yeah. thought the difference. But was. although there is DMT in pretty much all leafy greens and all in all plants in all animals, there's DMT, dimethyltryptamine, which is the main component that uh, offers the uh, what they call the "god particle" of um, you know, of the uh, the ayahuasca experience. Well, it sounds like a Luke's ready to start this
1: podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah, i'm gonna have to start branching out here so doing some more yeah some more uh, investigating keep breaking normally y'all all right blessings bless up